Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute for a consultation with a professional. Oh my God, Georgia! Oh my goodness! I know. I haven't seen it. I, like I really, I, I and you've seen it how many times now, Brie? Three. I mean, come on. This is. It's a really great show. It's it's all about childhood trauma and the impermanence of memory, and I mean, it's just like hmm. it's one of the most iconic horror you know stories ever told in any medium for a reason. So yeah. Okay, I have to see it. I have to see it <laughs> when I have a home. <laughs> then I'll go to the movies. You know what else is really scary is the idea of sending your nude pictures to Facebook. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, those are the headlines that you read and you're like, this can't be real. This can't be a thing. Facebook wants you to send them their send them your nude photos. Yeah, that, that sounds like a great, like, wh- where do I sign up, right? It's... Um, so there was a, an article that came out this week that apparently, uh, you know, it's, I mean, we joke, I, Facebook's trying to do something positive. I think it's just when, the way they're going about it, maybe not the way to go, but so they're, they're trying to tackle revenge porn, um, on the internet and, and apparently Facebook is one of the places where it's most likely to be shared because you can get that shared through all of like the, the weak connections through the Facebook social graph. You can get that shared out to somebody's, you know, somebody's social are you, circle. Are you, can I, can I ask a yeah. question? Sorry, I don't use Facebook. So I'm, I'm the strange person. That doesn't really know, but are you able to show nude photos on Facebook? Is that allowed? You mean by terms of service or? Yeah, no, that's yeah. clearly not allowed. Yeah. But they have to catch it, right? Oh, so, so then people wouldn't be sharing nude photos even on Facebook. So it's even weirder that they do this. Is well, that- they would, right? They just wait for it. They just do whatever damage they could before it got taken down. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook is oh, really bad okay. about responding to reports. Like they are really atrocious. Yeah. So, I mean, just because it's against the terms of service doesn't mean that it doesn't happen, right? Okay, so you don't get banned or anything bad happened to your account if you're posting inappropriate pictures. You definitely could. You could, could, but but the damage is done at that point. Also, you know, they don't look at what happens in back channel, like instant messenger. So, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. So what they want, what they want to do is they want to try to combat that by having people upload anything that I guess they've sent to a an ex or just in case they happen to use it against them. And then Facebook would hash that photo, delete it after some period of some short period of time after they're sure that they've gotten it through their algorithm. And then if somebody tries to upload again, they would check the hash against it and prevent that from being uploaded. And sure. I, and ideally, what would be great is if they would actually flag the account and take some action. But I don't I don't know that they've thought that far ahead. This sounds like the kind of thing that is, uh, you know, somebody in a, a room in Facebook would think was a really great idea without necessarily thinking of some of the additional implications to that. And yeah. it, it sounds like 
a misguided attempt at trying to do the right thing, which I guess is better than what Facebook is usually doing. But so, you know, I have a little bit of uh, expertise on this. My friend, uh, uh, Miriam Franks, she is one of the top lawyers in the world uh, working on this. I met her at Harvard a few years ago. And first of all, I don't like the word revenge porn. I don't. I think it, like, incidentally sexualizes uh, the situation. The one she's been trying to get people to use is non-consensual sexual imagery, uh, which I know is a, a mouthpiece, but certainly uh, more accurate and and, you know, in a legal sense, that matters. Uh, yeah, um, you know, interestingly, the privacy argument is one of the ways it's gotten the most ground. Uh, because, like, Google will, like, care about it on that front, where they're not going to care about it on, like, a you know, women's rights front. Uh, but as far as this particular dilemma with Facebook, yeah, it's like you're uploading nudes to Facebook. That's obviously uncomfortable. You know, I remember reading some study about how almost all of the people looking at harassment reports end up being men. Uh, so that's uncomfortable. I mean, it's it's just a really bad solution for this. And you know what I've been saying for years is that Facebook needs more human oversight. It's very, very hard to get a human to look at what happens on Facebook. Yeah. And that's also assuming that you're the one who took the picture and you can upload it as opposed to somebody else having taken the picture and it's on their device. Cause it's like trying Correct. to, it's trying to identify the exact image, which that may, I mean, that's, that's some percentage of use cases if you're, if you're text messaging them or whatever, but it's not, it, if it's taken in person on somebody else's device, you obviously don't have access to that. And then of course there's, you know, you don't know, you never really know when and how something is deleted from something like Facebook or any other online service. You're just kind of having to trust them. And right. it's bad enough with like normal everyday data, but something as sensitive as that, as that, that you definitely don't want to leak out if something like that should happen or if, you know, somebody happens to see a name that they recognize and, you know, files it away. Who knows who has access to what? It's there's just so many so many ways that this can go wrong that it seems like a really misguided way to solve the problem. I also I also Ooh. think people need to understand, um, you know, uh, non-consensual sexual imagery. This has gotten girls killed. It has. There was a really prominent uh, story a while back about a 16 year old girl that had this done to her, and she ended up committing suicide over this. Like it's very traumatic. Yeah, I think there's uh, a few actually. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what are your thoughts yeah. on this, Georgia? Well, I don't know if this has already been said, but, um, you know, the the thought of uploading something that you want to, like, we know that there is no um, safe vault that anyone can keep to that. So the, the best way is, of course, not to take them. But if you choose to take something and think that something should be remaining private, um, again, the, sending it to a third party to have oversight over that, especially a third party which makes its money in selling your data and information, seems to be um, just a, a really backwards way of kind of getting this um, through. I think that a, a much safer way would be if people could have maybe, um, you know, a social media app or something that, like, you know, put a unique identifier on any pictures that you do not want. Because maybe it's just a picture that you don't look great or a picture of, you know, uh, you giving birth or something that's just private. It might not even be naked, but you just don't want anyone else to know of these photos that can then, you know, make it like locked to your phone so no one else can use it or locked to the person that you're sending its phone. 
and they can't kind of send it out onto social media. The social media could get together to actually protect us, but to have it go somewhere where it's in a third party's hand to be able to curate what is private to you, like that's trusting someone you shouldn't trust. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that it would be a good idea even for Apple or another company that is not actually in the business of selling your information per se to be able to do this. And I, I, I really would rather it be something that people could lock an image to their phone or to, if they're sending it to someone else into their phone. I think, and I agree with everything you just said, Georgia. I think the other thing I would say is, you know, we've learned that trusting Twitter, trusting Facebook, trusting Reddit to do the right thing, it just doesn't get us anywhere. It doesn't. Like, these are companies, they've proven for the last decade, they don't care about their women users. They don't care about trans people using their service. You know, they're they're just not about that. And to me, the only way we're going to move forward on this is with the law. Something Europe has I really, really want to get here is a right to forget uh, kind of law. And I do think that you should have ownership over this data. So one of the... One of the um, proposals I'm going to be uh, putting out if I end up winning my congressional race is we are going to require uh, Facebook to archive all of your data using uh, you'll have a public key and a private key. And you'll basically, like when you start using Facebook, you'll have to use a certificate sign for it. And it will have to be encrypted with that certificate. So you own it. And then if you don't feel comfortable with Facebook having that data at some point, you would just revoke that certificate and then all that data would be uh, scrambled. We have got to, I mean, it's got to happen, right, Georgia? We have got to put... Great, yeah. wonderful idea so that it brings the power back not to Facebook, but to people. I love that. I love it. The good thing about that is they can still like aggregate certain bits of data, like, oh, statistical data. This person is between you know X and Y years of age. Like they can get rough data there about their users. But well, like, the nice thing your about pictures, that, though, couldn't right. they also yeah. like have like people that are like under the age of twelve and we you could yep. curate in different ways then too. You see, I really like that could. idea. That's wonderful. Yeah. So I mean the only way this is going to get solved, it's it's not by like asking Facebook to do the right thing. Like one of my biggest worries for 2020 is that Mark Zuckerberg is going to run. Um, it is increasingly obvious that he is divorced from the reality of what his product has brought on the world. And mm-hmm. it, it has done a lot of good things. But there's also a dark side that he needs to wrestle with more honestly and not by like giving a fake tour around the country where he invites himself into people's homes to take pictures with them and shoots Uh, off. Like, you know, we've got to have a real reckoning on the subject. Yeah. Though, I mean, GDPR, which is the, the EU uh, regulation that's going into effect next year, the general data protection regulation. Like I can tell you working in IT that regardless of, whether a company's operating in the EU or just, you know, exist, you know, whether they're they're based in the EU or they're just, you know, operating there, it's that's going to affect the way a lot of businesses work because if you want it if you want to uh do business in the EU, you have to abide by this and if you're going to go through all that work, you're you're not really you're you're not likely to condition it to only work in the EU, you may as well do it across the board because those regulations 
also do protect you in some cases from sort of data breaches. They're, they're common sense type of regulations in addition to things like the right to erasure. So hopefully what will happen as a, as a result of GDPR is that some of this will end up working itself out. It's sad that it's the EU that needs to take leadership on this and not the, not, Mm -hmm. you know, not the U S where a lot of this stuff originates from, but at least as long as, now that we're like a global world, you do really have to adhere to the most um, restrictive uh, data retention policies that are out there, which are in the EU. Whether Facebook will do something like that, I don't know. Most mm-hmm. like smaller companies that really don't have a need to that data will just adopt it across the board because it's just simpler. But you know, someone like Facebook. I, I that don't makes agree their, with you yeah. on that, though. I don't. I don't. I don't think you can just trust them to do the right thing. Oh, I don't think you can trust them either. either. Right. I'm yeah. saying that it's like things should get better naturally as a result of that. I don't know that that necessarily would apply to someone like Facebook or Google, whose business is in retaining data. Right. Like most other smaller companies that are collecting data as a matter of course will probably get more secure as a result of this. Someone like Facebook would have a vested interest in only implementing that for the EU. Maybe that will that will help in general, not necessarily with Facebook in particular, though. You know what I mean? So what do we need for, um, you know, if we thought about legislating, you know, privacy and rules so that companies had to adhere to that? But I, I don't know, you know, there's very few people that are in government that I think have enough technological knowledge to be able to do that in a way that I would feel comfortable. And how do we change, like, besides electing people that have it, Brie, um, but how else can we, you know, trust the people to be able to legislate something that they don't understand, especially when you have in the States huge lobby groups that work for these companies, and these are multi-billion dollar companies that can then just give you millions of dollars towards whatever causes or needs or back pocket that you so have. That's a huge pull. That's really scary to me. Yeah. Look at Marsha Bradburn, you know, down in Tennessee. This is a, you know, this is a woman and you know, she has no expertise whatsoever. Verizon is the number two donator to her campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Her degree is in home economics, which, you know, let's just be honest. That's what women of her generation got in college. Like my mom went to her exact college and I know the, mm-hmm. the pressure that was there, but she doesn't have like a technical expertise. And she's on the committee that sets uh patent standards for software the committee it yeah. sets like uh licensing rules for fec the committee it sets privacy laws um so georgia i think your question is very insightful you know this isn't a boil the ocean strategy like we don't have to replace every single person in congress with an engineer we just have to replace enough people on the science space and technology subcommittee to make better policy that comes out of that. And then the Senate, I mean, the House rather, can't, like any bill has to go through that committee. And the beauty of it is if you get better leadership there, it's not just that you're in a position to pass laws, you're also in a position to block bad ideas. Mm. Well, shouldn't it be that um, there should be something in place where the people that are having oversight over um, say NASA are like like scientists that know about NASA and and why that's important and people. That's not that how deal. it works. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It's not. Go look at who's on that committee, Georgia. It's going to yeah. blow your mind. It's not NASA that's, scientists. That's not okay. It's not okay 
to have um, the people that are dealing with, um, you know, like to deal with technology or net neutrality or to not know anything about it. The person that's dealing with like agriculture, not to be like farmers or, um, you know, planetary sciences or someone that understands about agriculture. It seems that shouldn't, that should not be able to be happen ever, ever. You can't, you should not be able to hire your friend to, to, you know, work on something that they have no degree in. I don't get it. It seems like yeah. there's something so warped yeah. that that can happen. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much sums it up, Georgia. <laughs> Thanks, Georgia. Feeling yeah. great. Sorry. I love America. <laughs> great country. Great yeah. country here. I mean, I, well, ideal, yeah. ideally you have, like, agencies that are staffed with these sorts of people, too, that can provide some, you know, some impartial input on these sorts of things. But, you know, when you're... No. They can't, no, input, it, who cares? Input or you're going to send me millions of dollars and I have no dog in this fight, so I'm going to take the millions of dollars. I would say the same thing for me. I care about people a lot, but I shouldn't be sitting on a committee of something that I don't know where there's let, then lobbyists that can, like, throw me money. Like, really, everyone has a price at some point, right? Like, I don't. More money. I really don't. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, some, but, <laughs> that's why I should hire you. But, that's why um, we need to elect more people like you, Bram. Less people like Marshall Blackburn. That's that's the no, solution. No, I mean it's just yeah, no. It's I'm sad. serry. Can't really be really, honest really with y'all about this. Yeah. Like my mom, growing up, my parents, my you know my uh, adopted family that disowned me. They're very very well off, and like you know I've I've been around so much of that the the one percent of the one percent class. Like I know these people, and they're miserable. They really, really yes, are. Yes, like they true. live in a very small world. And it's true that a certain amount of money does buy you, like when you're not stressing paying the rent <laughs> or getting health care, that does lead to a certain quality of life. But I mean, I tell you, I've got a really good life with Frank. I do. Like I, I, you know, we have a nice home we live in. We've got great dogs. We've got good friends. We've got nice cars. You know, there's no amount of money that's worth your integrity, at least to me, because like, you know, I need to be able to sleep at night more than I would need, you know, a million or $2 million. Yeah. It's also a measure of a matter of term limits too. Like you have people who have only like existed in Congress for decades and they haven't yeah. actually had to use technology as part of like a job that what that would require them to use it. Cause I mean, Congress in particular, I mean, especially if they're the ones who are running the office, they can decide if they want to adopt technology or not. And if they're not comfortable with it, they don't have to. And so they aren't actually living with a lot of this stuff until maybe their kids get into it. And even then, that's kind of like, you know, I, I can tell you from my kids, there's stuff that I, they have that I don't even understand that I don't necessarily want to some of the, some of the time. But I just finished yeah. Donna Brazil's book, mm -hmm. and um, I know that it came out and, like, it's been a very divisive book. Um, but, you know, I read it because it's part of what I need to know. And just to be really honest with you, Steve, it was – the sections, like, she was put in charge of the DNC after we were hacked by, you know, Guccifer 2.0 and Russia and WikiLeaks. And listening to her try to describe cybersecurity when she's the person in charge of fixing that problem, it's, it's hard for me to listen to. And, like, I'm not saying... 
she took it very seriously and you can really tell that it's like an older woman that has sat down and has learned as much as she can. Like, like she really is concerned about this, but it's just the way she talks about it. It's beyond her grasp a little bit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. increasingly those are the people that are in charge of these kinds of decisions. So, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, a lot, yeah. A lot of the time it feels like in world war one where there was one side sending cavalry in against tanks and, um, and like, and bombers and you know, that doesn't end well because you just don't know what the technology is and you're just getting destroyed by it before you even know what's out there. I mean, that's, it's clear that nobody really understands how this stuff is happening and they still don't. And then they're trying to figure it out and they're calling Facebook and Google to Congress and trying to ask them questions. And, but they don't even necessarily, I mean, some people do, but not enough of them know even what questions to ask to get a good outcome. And they're making decisions that are going to affect the entire way that the internet, as we know, it runs. And that we may not be able, like people often say, well, we'll be able to later elect people that might turn these things back. That is not that easy. No. Um, These are, and I I think that even people that use technology often don't understand uh, the gravity of what's going to be happening and why we need to say something now. Because people think, oh, it's just always going to be okay. It's not okay unless people fight and do something and and say something for it to be okay. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, and this is the last I'll say on this, but, I mean, if I were in charge of this, and I hope I will be, what I would do very specifically if revenge porn, uh, non-consensual sexual imagery, is in addition to, you know, the the encryption and public-private key cert we were talking about earlier, Georgia, another thing I would do from talking to lawyers in this field is we need to expand discovery uh, so we open up people that, you know, use, uh, non-consensual sexual imagery, uh, that it will end them up in civil court. Yeah. So let's say, uh, Joe puts, you know, revenge porn of Jane online. I think Jane, if she wants to pass a lawsuit, should be able to get those records from Facebook as part of discovery and determine what Joe has sent. And, you know, that's, you know, a judge is getting involved here. So, like, it's a subpoena. Like, there's reasonable cause for it. Um, and once that discovery is there, I think civil court is the only thing that can really um, rectify this. Like, I think if people are worried about it, um, and especially if Facebook ends up having some culpability with it, I think that's the only realistic way to solve it. And we just can't, we've got to get past this idea that the, you know, declarations of noble intent from Facebook are what's going to solve this. Like, they're going to say what they have to say. Yeah. Can can I ask one question? I know you said you yeah. were going to say anything else about it, but um, why not criminal court? If someone uses an image that I send them against my will, that there's, again, like, you know, you have to show proof that you actually asked them not to pass it around or anything else. Why couldn't that be something that's criminal? If someone was, you know, sending out naked photos of that are actually printed, like no one has these things anymore, but whatever, printed naked photos of me out, I could actually... Um, sue them. Why can't I do that um, also for digital photos? I I think that uh, I've talked to Miriam Franks and I know she's been working with the state legislature here in Boston to get that passed. So she is working on that on multiple fronts. Uh, You know, I'm not going to be working in a state court 
uh, you know, state legislature. I'm running for U.S. Congress, but I would enthusiastically, you know, agree with that. That is absolutely something that should be, um, you know, criminalized. I think they did in California, cool. right? If I remember correctly, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. So before we move on, we should tell you that this episode of Disruption is brought to you by Eero, who wants you to never think about Wi-Fi again. They've created the dream Wi-Fi setup, a fast, reliable connection all throughout your house and even all the way into the backyard. And now is the best time to get on board with Eero because they just released their super slick second gen devices that are tri-band and along with Eero Beacon, they allow you to build a Wi-Fi system that's perfectly tailored to your home. The new second generation Eero has a third 5 gigahertz radio, which makes it twice as fast, and it lets you do more than ever. Whatever your needs are, it has the power to blanket your entire home in fast, reliable Wi-Fi. It sits flat on any service. You just plug it into the wall with the included power adapter, and you are ready to go either with Ethernet or wirelessly. And it includes a new thread radio, which lets you connect to low-power devices, such as locks, doorbells, and any other IoT devices that you can think of. And Eero is also introducing the new Eero Beacon, where you just plug it into the wall and you expand coverage into any room. You can add as many beacons as you want, so long as you have an Eero device to connect them to. And it even comes with a nightlight. So if you're putting it in your kid's room and you want your kids to have Wi-Fi and you also want them to have a nightlight, this will take care of both of those for the same time. So, and the Eero app lets you manage your network from the palm of your hand. You can very easily create a guest network, and the customer support is amazing. You can get a hold of a Wi-Fi expert in 30 seconds. Uh, The new Eero system starts at $399 US for one second-generation Eero and two beacons, and that's everything you need to get started. And for listeners of this show, you can get free overnight shipping to the US or Canada when you head to Eero.com and use the promo code DISRUPTION. That's Eero.com with the promo code DISRUPTION for free overnight shipping and we thank Eero so much for this for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right. Uh do we want to do we want to move on to James Demore? Is it Demore or Demore? Let's, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I don't know. Yeah, I never even thought about it cuz I've only read it. Okay. So let, let's let's so let's let's move from one <laughs> one one frustrating topic to another and we can talk about this article that came out about James Damore, who was the Google, the the now ex Google employee who circulated the anti women manifesto that ultimately ended up getting him released from Google, and there was this article in the Guardian this week talking about him after that after his dismissal, and then I I don't know if he got the autism diagnosis afterwards. It sounds like he had it before. And mm-hmm. talking about how his autism figured into his thought process of releasing the manifesto and how he feels like he didn't understand that that was going to be taken the way that it was and a whole bunch of other things that just kind of made me angry. <laughs> um, mm. I. I'm not even really sure how to introduce this without going on a rant. So, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I mean, I think like we can't, I I think it's important to say like, uh, you know, at least I'm neuro, I'm neurotypical. I'm not on the autism spectrum. And as far as I know, you guys aren't either. So I think it's important to say like nobody here is on the spectrum to really speak to that experience. Um, I would say that in tech, there is, if you spend a lot of time in the tech industry, you do run into people on the autism spectrum. You just do. 
And um, you know, James Damore is not the first person that has kind of gotten in trouble with HR, and then after the fact has you know said, "Well, you know, I'm on the autism spectrum." So um, I, I think this is this is an issue. It's really hard to grapple with, uh, but I think we do need to start discussing this in adult ways because like it's hard because you have one population people on the autism spectrum they're clearly mistreated all too often uh they're not understood um you know they don't get enough uh you know early education and resources and it destroys lives at the same time you've got women who are badly mistreated in the tech industry too so you've kind of got these two kind of marginalized groups that are do you see what I mean? It's yeah. kind of at odds here. Yeah. I mean, I guess the problem there, – there are a couple problems with this piece. And, and I spent a lot of time just retweeting autistic folks this week because I didn't really want to say anything myself. Just being like – again, I'm a parent of autistic kids, but that's absolutely not the same thing. Um, I, I mean, I'm not autistic myself, but – I, you know, my experience is through my daughters, but that's a very different experience and it's not a personal experience. But I I get I mean, this is just another one of these frustrating articles that is taking somebody who behaved badly and then goes into their whole background and trying to find a reason why. And like is, you know, if his autism is affecting his worldview, that's fair but that the impression that is given from an article like this is that this is how autistic people are going to behave and because most people have not come into contact no at least that they know of with someone who's who's highly functioning autistic they this is going to color their perception of how autistic people in general behave and it doesn't mean that you are devoid of knowing what is right or wrong it doesn't mean that you're devoid of knowing that something is going to affect someone else negatively it you know it means that you have to work harder at picking up social cues but that doesn't necessarily mean that you you don't know right from wrong right like that's that's the impression that it sounded like he was trying to put forward that well i didn't know that this was wrong because i you know i'm autistic and i i didn't pick up on that and and i don't think that that's a fair thing either like it's you know it's it's painting i don't know if sociopath is the right word um but it's like somebody who just doesn't uh, doesn't have a moral compass and that's not true of of autistic people it it's not and you know the fact that he you look at it and he didn't show it to his girlfriend and you can kind of infer from that like if this is something that he was really proud of you would one would think it's very likely that he would show it to somebody close to him before releasing it and and the fact that he didn't and then she saw it afterwards uh, it it just the whole article made me upset it made you know a lot of my autistic friends very upset understandably so and and it it just It doesn't add anything. All it's doing is trying to provide some sort of an explanation while hurting yet another group of people in the process. Georgia, I was so curious this week to get your take on this because, like, you deal with people with phobias. And, I mean, I have to... I I have to guess in your line of work, like, you might have someone with a really bad case of social anxiety. Um, But it's not healthy for them to not engage that or not to, you know, 
work on them? Like how do you mm-hmm. balance somebody that might be dealing with something difficult like being on the autism spectrum with the harm they might inadvertently be causing other people? Like how, how do you treat that? Like what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, when I have people come in, especially you definitely, if you're not reading social cues <clears throat> or that isn't your strength, it definitely may give you more social anxiety because you're not going to know, you know, what you're dealing with right or wrong. And there's a specific therapy that is actually straight up set up to help you, um, you know, try to, you know, integrate how to react in social settings so that you have more skills and something that usually we have that fires naturally to it. And so we end up giving, you know, kind of straight up tools and techniques that you have to practice because it's not something that you're going to integrate innately. It's something that you can become, can become kind of um, neuronal memory, but not something that comes straightforward to you. So you kind of have to be paying attention to that to be able to engage in that. And then we go through, you know, if you're not sure about something, look for other people. What are they doing? Um, you know, when someone reacts poorly to something, like you say something and they, you know, move their body a little bit backwards from you, you might have offended them. Or do they do a little tiny scrunch with their eyebrows for a microsecond? Ah, maybe that bothered them. And if you're not sure of something to ask and to look over and before you, you know, say something that's a joke or a not joke, you have to go through the question of, you know, could this possibly offend someone? If you're not sure, don't do it. It's, it becomes really difficult And so, you know, yes, definitely, um, perhaps, uh, you know, like, I don't like the fact that he used this almost as a shield to say that I'm not, it's not my fault. I think that even, you know, whatever we deal with, we still have a responsibility to deal with that. If I make a mistake on someone's name because I'm dyslexic and so I, you know, say something wrong, I will still apologize for that and then try to work on how can I figure this out better to it as best as I can. Um, I, I worry, um, for his case is that, is this going to cause other people to say, oh, you know, this person might be on the spectrum and now I'm not going to want to hire them because they may do something like this and give us a lot of bad press. That's my worry. Whenever someone doesn't take that really strong responsibility for their own actions to it. Um, I fully understand his want to say, listen, I'm, you know, not a horrible person. This is why I did this. I think that that's what people try to do. When they've made a mistake, it's the first thing is to defend themselves, not to say, you know what, I did this and I shouldn't have. Um, But yeah, you can actually, you know, work on things. Are you going to be, you know, as good as as if you were born with that? Perhaps not. Um, You know, everyone has different gifts and different things that they're working with. But there is techniques so that you can feel more comfortable and that you can kind of check in so that you don't end up hurting anyone. That he didn't show it to anyone to get their okay before then showing it to everyone. Um, maybe it's a huge blind spot. Maybe it was that they knew, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I, I don't know, you know, I don't know to that. Um, but I, you know, hope that people will learn from that is to, to be careful what you send out there. It's out there. And right now we're, um, you know, it's out there forever, right? Unless of course you send it to Facebook and then they'll, you know, <laughs> I, I think it, it says so, well, first, I just want to say I think it would be illegal in the United States if someone were qualified for a job and then you didn't hire them because they were on the spectrum. But like, they might not it, say that, right? Yeah, I, I realize. Like, that's the hard I, ju- part, I just yeah. want to say in practice, this is not a excuse not to hire someone. To me, what really gives me a clue uh, that 
you know, James Damore does not deserve the benefit of the doubt here is you're not this is a guy that went on social media and basically praised Nazis and didn't double and doubled down on it. And he didn't walk it back. He didn't show any empathy for others. And yeah, just to be really straight, he comes off as a, a self important male privilege jerk. And, you know, it's like if he had if he were expressing any kind of, you know, oh, I feel I feel bad about this. This has obviously been harmful to women in the industry. I, you know, I wish I'd handled this more skillfully. I would give him the benefit of the doubt, but that's not his message. That's not his message throughout this whole thing. It's like, oh, poor me. Oh, I'm fired for truth. Oh, I guess I just see the world differently. Yeah, I got to tell you, when your actions are so bad that your girlfriend won't identify herself to the guardian yeah. and doesn't want anyone to know that you're dating, that's not normal. I mean, all of us are married on this show. Can you imagine being with your spouse and being like, oh, I don't agree with Frank on that, but don't let him know. Like, don't use my name with it. Like, I can't even imagine <laughs> yeah. doing that. No, no, it's it's... I Why? Mean, Why is that yeah. funny, George? No, it's just it's, it's sorry. I just I think about <laughs> think about all the <clears throat> stuff that we do on the show, and I'm like, no, probably would yeah. be my husband saying the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I just like you look at his reaction to it, and it's like I I, I and there was this this thread that you you forwarded that I'll put in the show notes to Bree that I, I'd also seen separately before this too from from Jennifer Uncle who was talking about it and the phrase that she uses that I really like is that she was a giant ball of empathy with no direction and it's that it's you know it's not that you're not you don't have the capacity for empathy it's just that you don't you can't exercise it because you need it's not something that comes naturally to you to pick up on those clues in social in social circumstances and and those types of things like you have to focus on it um, because it's something that just doesn't come naturally to you as, as for people who manifest that way. And yeah, for people that manifest it's that way. like, he was not showing any empathy. It wasn't like he sent this out and like, Oh, why are you, I don't understand wasn't why you're upset. His, right. Wasn't one of his cues. One of the things that he asked for was to de empathize the setting, like to not have less empathy. I might be yeah. wrong about reading that, but wasn't that yeah. one of the things that he actually requested? Yeah. I mean, less he, yeah. Yeah. Less talking basically is, is, one of the things that he talked about and and it's it's like well if you hurt somebody and people are obviously upset and you just double down on it and you don't care why then that's that's not that's not something that's going to come as a result of of being autistic that's just you being a jerk <laughs> and and you anyone can be a jerk it doesn't it, it's not a result of any sort of uh you know being neurotypical or not neurotypical it doesn't matter like you can be a jerk regardless so yeah. we just need to dissociate those two things. I I I hope that one day he can get some therapy and deal with this. I mean, he's he's clearly a bright man, and I you know there's some people in the museum, and like there's just no hope for them to grow. Like Milo is gone, you know, baked Alaska is gone. Um, I. I I like to think I can see the best in people sometimes, and it's I can imagine him 
getting some help in like a decade from now, him really regretting his actions. So, you know, I hope uh, I hope there's some growth on the horizon for yeah, him. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously he's made some bad decisions and yeah. hopefully he can grow from that eventually. But just just one question before we move on, Steve. I mean, how if, if you can't talk about this on the show, I understand. But like. This is something you have to deal with with your daughters sometimes, like uh, doing something maybe socially inappropriate. And like, how do you, that's got to be really hard as a parent because you don't want to make them feel lesser for something that's just a normal part of the human experience that we've really um, stigmatized. You don't want to make them feel that way, but you also aren't helping them if you don't ask them to examine their behavior how do you how do you balance those two things that's got to be very challenging i generally i will if it's something that's not dangerous um i will try to explain to them why what they're doing is how what they're doing is going to make somebody else feel yeah and Again, this goes back to they're not incapable of empathy. They're very capable of empathy. They don't they do not like that they're unintentionally hurting other people by not understanding what what how something they're doing is going to be received. Um and so I try to explain that to them that look, I know you don't you you don't naturally understand this. And so I'm going to explain to you how what you're doing is making somebody else feel and then hopefully we can get past that and not do that again. And it's just the same thing as any, you know, as anything else is that it's it's just that they don't get these things the way you would expect somebody to naturally get them. Um, so it requires me to take myself out for a second, say, this is something that I need to teach them. And then teach them that way, the same way that you would teach them right from wrong anyway, but it's just Mm -hmm. kind of a different – with the mindset that they don't know and I need to teach them as opposed to why are you behaving like this? What's wrong with you? And and I think that's the difference, right? It's not like what's wrong with you? Why aren't you like normal? Because it – I mean normal is a loaded word anyway, but it's like – it's going with it, the understanding that they are not going to understand things innately the way that I may. And so I need to make sure that I'm not assuming that they should know it and uh, and teach it to them so that they do, even if it means that they're going to have to consciously think about that going forward. Yeah. Boy, that's hard. That's it's hard. I, I say that as though I'm good at it. <laughs> and, and I'm not always. And it, you know, it, it takes a lot of patience and sometimes patience is in short supply. Um, you know, so it's, I I would like to be better at it than I am, to be honest with you. But when I'm, when I'm on my game, that's how things go. They don't (laughs) always go that way. We'll just leave it at that. I'd like it to go that way, but it doesn't always happen that way. Um, all right. For none of us, Steve, for none of us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm not different than any other parent, but. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so I would say let's move on to a happier topic of Star Wars, but apparently Star Wars isn't even isn't even a happy topic this week. I have week. a lot positive to say about this game. Oh, did so. you have you played it? Oh, that's yeah. Okay, um, good. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I haven't just because I didn't really enjoy the first one. So I wasn't really interested in this regardless. Um and then I started reading a whole bunch about the the loot box system and that just turned me off from it more. But let, let me back up a little bit. So 
we talked about loot boxes a few weeks ago, and, and this was Star, Star Wars Battlefront Two came out on Friday. If I right, is it was it Friday or Tuesday um, of this week? One or the other. Uh, well, it's complicated because EA has the the um, oh the early access like early thing. release system. Yeah, so uh, I think it was a few days before that. But the 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 normal version of it, like the standard version, you couldn't play early. I believe that was Thursday that came okay. out. So um, so this week it came out and it had already been causing some problems because of the loot box system in the beta that was open to everyone a few weeks ago. And then there were a number of articles that were coming out about how long it was going to take to earn uh, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader with the in-game credits that you earn. And there was a, were a number of concerns about the high price of the loot boxes and the microtransactions needed to to purchase additional loot boxes, either with in-game currency or with real money. And that reached a point uh, later this week where EA shut down the real money purchases of any of the loot boxes. The microtransactions, you can only buy them with in-game currency, which doesn't mean that they're completely gone. It just means that you can't spend real money on them. Yeah, but it does bring the the leveling up system of the game to a halt. I yeah. mean, you know... Yeah, it slows everything down significantly because you can't it, – it was designed with the idea of being able to buy things with money to accelerate them in mind. So now everything's going to be slowed down. And, there's, yep. and, and the difference between this and something like an Overwatch is that in Overwatch, all of the uh, – all the things that are in the loot boxes are cosmetic only. They're skins, they're emotes, they're voice lines, and in – uh, Battlefront, there are things that can actually improve your weapons and uh, give you an advantage in the game. And additionally, there's a, a deluxe version that includes some upgraded versions of gear and I believe a couple of extra heroes that you can't get normally that also increase your power through what what's called a pay-to-win system. So this has been kind of a black mark on the game in general to the point where it's actually affecting EA's earnings having shut this down. And apparently there were conversations between Disney's CEO and EA's CEO about how this is implemented. But a lot of people have been calling this kind of a canary in the coal mine for how gaming as a service is going to go, uh, you know, now that it's expanding to AAA titles. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you play I, it. Yeah. You played. You played this game, Bree. Did you enjoy the microtransactions, or were you on the side? Because I'm sure that there are some people that liked it. Right? They might say, "Listen, we don't have time to play. I have money. Money more than time. Yay!" I mean, yeah, that's that's dead on. I mean, for me, I I I I'm I can't be the kind of gamer that you know, spends all day online, right? Like I'm just, I don't have that kind of time. And I do appreciate generally games that will let me, you know, play a, um, you know, pay a microtransaction to, you know, be more competitive. So honestly, I wish I could buy microtransactions at this point because it's a, it's a really hard but very fun game. Uh, I, I do think that our industries need to really uh, grapple with this subject and uh, have a difficult discussion for a long time. This is just the, the one that you know, we heard about. This is just the one where people screamed enough to cause consequences. Um, but this is, this is a really big problem for our industry. And I am really glad to see consumer pushback, even if it means I'm going to get blown up a lot more <laughs> in this game. Uh, so, yeah, um, 
I mean, you know, it's good to see it's good to see EA backing off after some well-deserved critique. You know, I'm I'm on both sides of this because I can see when these types of of mechanics work well and when they are implemented well, it is a way to sustain a game long term. Um, because you know, real real talk, the the cost of a AAA game has not increased in twenty years. Like games were sixty dollars for the N sixty four, and they really haven't gone up materially since then. But the amount of of work and time that needs to go into it has, and there, you know, when it's implemented well, it's a way for you to be able to give you know to give your money to a game that you're you're spending your time on, like. You know, I, I spend fifty, sixty dollars on Hearthstone every four months when a new expansion comes out, but I don't mind because I'm getting more than that amount of time back in the amount of time that I play it, um, and and then I'll just earn the rest of it through in-game play because Lord knows I play the game enough. Um, and and you know, with something like Overwatch, well, I buy the game and then I get whatever skins I get, and I don't really care otherwise, and because it, it's not important to me otherwise. Um, I think that when you are tying gameplay elements to it then it creates a perception that you need to spend that money to stay competitive in order to really enjoy the full experience the it becomes like uh like an extra bag fee for video games like you it's not included in the cost of the ticket but you know you're going to pay it anyway because you need to check a bag and and it's that's the kind of perception that you get there i mean they've been doing this for a long time with dlc like if you were going to buy maps but you don't you didn't necessarily have to do that right up front um i think the other problem is also that ea is not known for subtlety with things like this and they've done things like take <laughs> PopCap and you know make Peg- make peggle into a terrible free-to-play game and oh god you know that ruined- was a crime oh that was, was a crime that someone needs to go to jail for that <laughs> Ooh. They really, Georgia, you don't mess up my peckle. Yeah. I know. The EA, EA went and f- f- messed, screwed up my peckle. <laughs> I think like you're yeah. trying to find a word you can use on the show. I, I you know, they, Georgia. They, they I, messed with the sanctity yeah. of peggle is what they did. And they did. it's unacceptable. And, and I mean, even things like flight control, that, you know, old game for the iPhone that they bought and then tried to make a free to play game out of and then just shut down. So it's like EA is like, this is like their goose that laid the golden egg. And, you know, they they kind of pushed in a direction that was just a little too far. But I I think it also is opening up a discussion of that these games, especially if you're trying to build an esports platform or you're trying to build a long uh, like like gaming as a platform, as opposed to a game that you're just going to release and then be done with then there needs to be a way to sustain that development going forward. And they haven't figured out a better way than this, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So can we talk about the game itself before we sign off? Because it's really, it's, well, it's good and it's bad. Something I liked about the last Star Wars Battlefront is they made a really big deal about this. Like you could play as like a a woman uh, stormtrooper. Like they had male and female classes for all the different kinds of uh, characters in the game. They just erased that here. And you're right oh. back to playing like white dudes for everything oh. again, of course. Uh, which is a real step backwards. Uh, I don't know the dev team for this super well, but I know that IGN's Mitch Dyer, who is someone I've had occasionally positive, constructive discussions with. Uh, I know he was on the writing team and it, it does bother me that this game has kind of been 
you know, portrayed as, oh, look, it's a woman of color leading a Star Wars game. And they're kind of like trying to play up that angle from a marketing perspective. But as best as I can tell, it seems to be mostly white dudes writing it and white dudes developing it. And like, she almost looks like she's like just kind of tan in the game. So, you know, all of that just feels like a really big step backwards to me. But as far as the game itself, it's it's a really, really, really good game. Uh, they they condensed it down to fewer modes this time. And one of these modes, Starfighter Assault, is so good they should spin it off to be its own game. It's really, it's not quite the same as X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, but it's very much like that, like a huh. 20 on 20 battle. And, uh, it's, it's incredibly intense. So you have like, um, you'll have a thing where like, uh, the rebels will be ambushing a star destroyer and you have to go through all these different stages of the fight to either push the rebels away or if you are the rebels, destroy the starfighter. It's just, an excellent beyond addictive mode. Like it's all I'm playing when I have a chance. So um, I I really don't know what to say about this game other than it's kind of one of these one step forward, one step back situations. So is it is it how much better is the Starfighter mode than in the original Battlefront? Because I felt like the the Starfighter mode in the battle in the original Battlefront was pretty much all I did, and I felt like it was kind of an afterthought. So which yeah. is the other reason that I I kind of avoided this, other than all the controversy that was going on. Uh, I could say I, I don't remember playing it in the original, so I can't speak to that, honestly. I can mm. say here it's not an afterthought. It's okay. a really, really well thought out mode. Yeah. Uh, I just wish there were more of it because it was, um, I think there are only about four scenarios you oh, can play through yeah. currently. Uh, but like it's it's great. Like I woke up this morning and just like bloop, three hours went by. So <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good game where it suddenly – gone like your time is just gone and you just keep on playing yeah. it yeah so the yeah. gameplay itself is great excellent yeah huh. as long as you and, know and and brie can i ask you how much money have you spent on these microtransactions if you can share you can't they shut it down no i i could because i got it on tuesday i got it yeah. on tuesday so i could yeah, I, yeah. I think I spent about thirty on it, uh, and yeah, I mean, I I and I'm competing like the best I've done is finishing number one in my flight squadron. Uh, I've come in last a lot too, so <laughs> you know, uh, it's it definitely helps, but it's not like a a cheat like win everything. Your, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the that's the problem with it too that. is that you you spend that money and you don't actually know what you're going to get. It's not like you're it's not like you're buying like an upgraded ship for sure. Like you're buying chances at getting an upgraded chip and that that's that's where a lot of the uh the the angst kind of comes from is that you're not actually paying to win you're paying to try to win and it it can end up that you're putting all this money in and not actually getting anything that's going to help you that's the big problem with it oh so it's also that you don't know what you're getting when you get something yeah it's 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 exactly like the loot boxes in shadow of war georgia Oh, so, oh, so you're just buying. So it's all, it also, it has the gambling of that, that, uh, dopamine randomness feature, which is highly yeah. addictive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, That's it. This is so That's much it. worse than I thought. <laughs> it's evil. It's yeah. evil. Oh, it's so much worse. Brie, so you see on, like, cause we get a lot, we, we've heard all of the bad press. I, I'm not on the game either, but in game, have you found that most people are anti loot boxes or, or them taking it away? And they're not really taking it away. They're just saying, 
we're not going to use it. We're not, we're not taking, we're, we're getting rid of them for now. They're pretty much saying for the Christmas holidays, buy this game. And then later we'll implement microtransactions. Well, they're there. Yeah. You just can't That's spend money on it. them right yeah. now. But they said that they're going to yeah. implement them later. Yep. But um, what I wanted to know, Brie, is are, are people like, is the outrage that we see in the press the same thing that you see in game? Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. This was the most downvoted like comment. EA made the most downvoted comment in history. In fact, it nearly hit the maximum integer that wow. their sequel backend can generate. It got so many downvotes. So, and, and that that's wow. that's saying something when you're making the most unpopular thing on Reddit. Like Reddit is just where salt flows, like you know, like lava. And it if you can skill. make, yeah, if that's really quite an accomplishment. I mean, not necessarily the accomplishment you want, for sure. But have they have they had the, they haven't had to publish any of the loot, any of the uh, the drop rates for those loot boxes, right? Because um, nope. probably they haven't. I know when, when you play when you expand to China, you have to, you know, assuming that they actually keep them consistent or not. Because as soon as that got published for Hearthstone, it was pretty clear how to you know, structure things like there's talk of pity timers where after a certain number of drops, it'll just give you a legendary. Um, I don't know if they're huh. eventually. Yeah. And, and I mean, Hearthstone's been better about that. Like they made changes to that. If you get a legendary card and you already have one, it won't give that to you again. It'll give you one that you don't already have to, to make it a little bit, you know, less oppressive, but as soon as that kind of information gets out, people will game it and people will will figure out like what the actual, um, you know, what the actual strategy is to get the best stuff. But I guess it's probably too early for for that right now. OK. Yeah. Um, all right. So we had uh, we have one question and but I think we can save that for next time. But we do have a um, we had one person who just wrote us some feedback about Transformers that looked that looked interesting that we can just kind of attack. It's not even a question, just kind of um, a, uh, a comment that um, which, and the most interesting part of this is that apparently there's a $150 masterpiece shockwave uh, toy yes. that you can buy. I've looked at that so much at buying well, it. Tell yes. me about this toy. So shockwave is the, the transformer who turns into the ray gun, the Decepticon. And so we were talking about Transformers last week, and apparently there's a masterpiece, um, a masterpiece version of the new toys here. I'll put it in the. I'll put it in. Oh, I don't even know how to do that because Skype's new. Um, <laughs> I'll put it. In, I'll put it in the text messages because I don't know how new Skype works. Um, but it's like you know, like one of these like Nendoroid uh, figures that costs like 150 dollars. So it's a 150 dollar transformer, and it looks like Ooh. it's probably like a life size Raygun when you hold it in your hand. It is. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking it up. Yeah, I want that a lot. I've looked at it a lot, and I'm like, I can't justify 124 dollars <laughs> for a toy. So. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> the only thing is the coloring. If only it shot Nerf weapons, then you, you'd be all over it, I guess. See, that's what they need to do. They need to do like some sort of a, of a partnership with Nerf, and then they then they just take all your money. Yeah, I don't know. I think the masterpiece ones are, are really interesting because it's like 
they they went through like the the, the Gen One Transformers don't look as good as you remember them through the yeah. fog of childhood. They just don't. And what they did is they the masterpiece versions of them basically uh, tweaked them so they look more like the cartoon and you know improved them with modern joints and they transform better. So uh, yeah, uh, they're all awesome. I just. I feel like it's a road that's smarter for me not to go down. So, <laughs> oh, but there is a masterpiece hot rod. So yeah, there, is. there we go. I, I can I can get maybe that's uh well that's only seventy five dollars because everybody hates him. So that'll be uh maybe that'll put that on my Hanukkah list. Okay. Oh, he's got a what the hell is he? Holy, he's got like a pizza cutter. Why is he? <laughs> why is he? Why does he cut, pizza cutter? Why does he have a pizza cutter? That's that's not the hot rod. That that's he, not the hot rod. I remember uh, flying pizza. This is not my. This is not my beautiful hot rod. Like what is that? Yeah, if you scroll oh, down to like the fifth oh. or sixth image, yeah, it's the. It, there's he's holding a pizza cutter. It's not good. It's not a good look. I, oh. oh yeah, yeah. I see it. <laughs> I was like, no, that was like a gun. And now I'm like, oh no, uh. no, you're right. It's a pizza cutter. Or maybe it's a CD and he's like throwing down some sick tunes. Well, or maybe they maybe they kicked him out and now he just has to take a job at Domino's to make ends meet. You know, I, it wouldn't surprise times me. Times can get rough. Times can get yeah. rough. Yeah, his rod, hot rods are falling on hard times. Happens uh, to us all. <laughs> all right. Anything else that we want to uh, we want to tackle this week, or should we let these nice people go? I'm good to go. Okay, I'm good uh, to go. Um, so you can uh, visit the show notes to get links to, from this show and every show at relay.fm slash disruption. You can um, tweet us at the hashtag disrupt me or send us a DM to our Twitter account, which is at underscore disruption FM, or leave us a voicemail at 508-418-3532. And uh, you can get your questions or your, you know, send us pictures of transformers that we should own um, that way. And, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Wicked Good, or you can go listen to me talk about Hearthstone on my show, my other show, Off Curve, which you can find at offcurve.com. And uh, Brie, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at SpaceCatGal. Um, I'd also love to ask our listeners, you know, I can't win my congressional race without help. You know, we don't take donations from billionaires and giant corporations because we don't represent them. We represent you. Uh, and if I can count on your support in my congressional race, I'd be honored if you'll go to supportbrianna.com and uh, consider donating. Uh, as little as $20 makes a huge difference to my campaign. Another thing is if you donate even as little as a dollar, uh, we're going to have some really awesome volunteer opportunities uh, coming up for our campaign really soon. So uh, basically we have a program that we're putting in place where you can get involved and use your social media account to help us get the word out about the campaign and you know help me get elected so um anyway that web address is supportbrianna.com and i hope i can count on you okay and uh georgia where can people find you uh you can find me uh, if you're dealing with anxiety or depression you can check out anxiety-videos.com and i am occasionally on twitter and you can check out at georgia underscore dow all right. So uh, until next week, Georgia, why don't you uh, tell the nice people where they should go? <laughs> <laughs> don't send Facebook any of your photos. Leave Facebook. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's scarier uh, than any other any other outro we've had. So there you go. 